Welcome in to Revealing Grace. This is a podcast focused on the revelation of God's redeeming grace throughout all of Scripture and the power that it has to transform lives eternally. I'm Chris Sobak, and in this episode, Dr. Brian Chappell will be joined by his wife, Kathy. This is the first in a series of three episodes focused on marriage and parenting. In this episode, we'll be discussing the role of husbands, as outlined by Paul in Ephesians 5. What does biblical headship truly look like? I'm sure some of you are interested to hear how that has looked in Brian and Kathy's marriage. Now, if you're interested in watching us record this podcast and seeing Brian and Kathy together, uh, you can visit Brian Chapel's YouTube page or head over to brianchapel.com. I hope you enjoy this episode as we discuss what it means to be a gospel-centered husband. Well, welcome, Brian, once again to this podcast. Today we have a special guest, so I'm excited to have Kathy Chapel here for the podcast. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you. And uh, I know you were saying right before we started recording that this is actually your first podcast. So it is my I, very I'm, first. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that that this is the first one you get to be a part of. So there you go. yeah, so thank you. Um, okay, well, I'm still going to start out the, the podcast with a revealing question like I do every time. So the revealing question of this podcast is, since I have both of you, Brian and Kathy, Brian, um, if you want to answer first, or Kathy, if you want to answer, what was the first thing that you noticed about the other one? So, Brian, what did you notice about Kathy first? And Kathy, what did you notice about Brian first? Uh, the first thing I noticed was I thought she was mad at me for something that I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, my explanation. So, he had candidated to become the pastor of this tiny church in southern Illinois where I grew up. And I had not been present during those candidating sessions. I was in college and I was playing flute in other churches those mornings. And so the first morning back for me, when he was about to arrive, there was this contingent, if I say little old ladies, I mean it with love, who came up to me all a Twitter and said, oh, all a flurry, Twitter has a whole nother thing now, <laughs> um, and said, oh, wait till you meet him. He's young and he's good looking and he's single, which I was, right, in college. <laughs> so I was determined not to give them a moment's satisfaction. So when I was introduced to him by my father, this is my daughter Kathleen, this is Brian Chapel. I stuck out my hand and I said, hello, we shook hands and I turned around and walked away. Wow. <laughs> so it was not Brian. I was very impressed. I mean, look at him. <laughs> but um, I did not want to have those little ladies just, you know, positive that this was my destiny. And I was sure That's I amazing. had a chance with this beautiful girl who had just turned her back on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it worked out. I guess it, it worked out. Work but out. That, that's so Very funny. Quickly, yes. That's so funny. I Yeah, I have not heard that story before, but... Um, yeah, that, that, that's pretty wonderful. You were just playing hard to get, I guess, early on. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, so I guess on that note, um, getting into, into this episode of the podcast, um, I wanted to be able to discuss uh, what happened yesterday, and that being uh, the Sunday morning worship service. You know, we've been able to do some different things at church uh, as a result of, of having to adjust, having to... Um, kind of decide how we're going to be able to continue to, to serve the congregation. And so I know the, the two of you were able to do something that's a little unique uh, for a Sunday morning. So why don't you share a little bit about that, Brian? 
Well, during during the sermon time, I said to our folks, now I'm going to keep explaining the scripture, but obviously Kathy was on the stage and, you know, we'd kind of set up a living room scene uh, to uh, be very informal. And I said, I'm going to uh, continue to explain the text, but Kathy is here to give uh, illustrations from our lives of how these biblical principles about marriage, which is what we were talking about, uh, how they apply to our lives, how we've seen lived out in our lives and people we know. So um, I was I was still the expositor. She was the color commentary. <laughs> all right, all right. This is certainly not the first time that you have spoken to a group of people, whether uh, virtually or in person, um, about marriage and about the roles of um, a husband and a wife. Uh, but that all unless I'm incorrect about this, that all kind of started when you wrote a book together several years back. We, we, we did. So um, each for the other is a book that um, I originally did on biblical marriage. And then at a later phase, Kathy came and we recognized a lot of women were saying, uh, what about the woman's perspective? So Kathy added her perspective and uh, that's now in, I guess, multiple editions and lots of places that people have used to think about how does the Bible speak about marriage um, in a loving way. And I think, Chris, you even heard us say yesterday that I think when I first uh, wrote that and Kathy and I talked about it in numerous groups, we were at a time in North American Christian culture at which a lot of what it meant to be the head of the home was interpreted as, you know, man gets to be the boss and a woman is supposed to salute. And um, we entered another period of culture in which people began to say, you know, any sort of biblical headship is abusive. And so a lot of young Christian men just began to draw back from any sense of spiritual responsibility in their home. And so we had to talk about not an authoritarian approach to um, male headship, but what is not abandonment of spiritual authority in the home either. And contrary, you know, oftentimes submission was viewed as some sort of evil thing that women were being called to submit to. And we had to say, no, what, what is the Bible actually saying? Throw away the cultural stereotypes. In some way, throw away the church stereotypes. What does the Bible actually say? about living for one another in a Christ-like way. So we've, we've, you've filmed us doing other seminars other places, Chris. Well, that, and, that's true. That's true. And we've tried to say, uh, don't, don't just live by the caricature and, and don't throw away what the Bible says because you're stumbling over some hard words without first saying, what does the Bible really say? And so we're right in the midst of a series on what does the Bible really say? And, you know, give God a chance here, you know, before you throw it away by some sort of caricature of something that's not true. For most of your life, um, you know, the two of you together have kind of had this, this position of, of being somewhat in the spotlight. So how has that kind of affected um, wanting to make sure to live within what the Bible outlines as a healthy marriage, but also almost kind of being under that microscope of people coming to you and saying like, do you really think this? Or what is your relationship really like? like how has <laughs> that kind of manifested itself over time? That's never happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say that um, in one of the churches we were in early on in our marriage, and I was a, a, a young wife and a young mommy with, I think at that point, 
one baby. There were um, other wives in the church that I really liked, we were good friends with, and we would get together on weekend nights on a Saturday afternoon or something on a front porch, one of my friends, and, you know, have soda or iced tea and, and talk and laugh. And at a certain point, I realized what was happened, happening was husband bashing in a, in a very lighthearted way. And um, I had to really struggle with that for two reasons. One, I didn't want people to think that of my husband, my husband, my love. But more than that, I did not want people to hear me making fun of their pastor. I, I, that, that was one of the first times I realized, oh, whether they meant it or not, they were putting me in the fishbowl. And... Um, I had the opportunity either to honor him or to poke fun at him. Yeah. I mean, everybody does roast pastor for lunch after the sermon, but at the same time, you know, it's, and it wasn't just me. I think, you know, it was just kind of like, I don't know, everybody loves Raymond in, in real life where everybody just kind of poked fun at the buffoonery of their husbands. And of course, husbands do this with their wives too. And we have to say, what, what does the Bible mean when it says to wives, respect your husband? And it says to husbands, honor your wives. And, you know, even in joking, are we just kind of falling to some sort of not only cultural stereotype, but to some cultural pattern of undermining another person in order to elevate yourself? And so we, um, Kathy, I, we didn't have that conversation uh, between each other, but just began to feel... Um, yeah, we are in the fishbowl and realizing it in ways that we, we, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think we live biblically just so other people won't think we're hypocrites. I think we have to live biblically because we're trying to say what, what does God mean to bless us with and try to find what that is. You know, it's interesting sharing that kind of example. So my wife and I, we had received some advice very early on, maybe even before we were married, but um, a couple that we know that we really respect, they said they vowed to never speak poorly about the other in front of other people. That doesn't mean that someone doesn't do something wrong, but like to not, to not undercut them, not to under, to, to paint them in a bad light, because I think that begins to take you down a path that, that you shouldn't, you know, and, and really isn't what, what God designs. Um, and that's something that we've really taken to heart uh, is that, I, we want to, like, I want for my wife to be always presented in the best way possible, you know? And, and I think to an extent, Brian, you kind of discussed that as part of um, the message yesterday. I think we got that advice too, uh, Chris. And I think we've given it since we, I mean, it just through the course of pastoral decades, we find often when, husbands and wives are dealing with an issue, what they'll do is they'll, they'll take the protection of the public place. So our friends are around, it's a party or it's a dinner, and they'll start teasing the other person about what they're con- concerned about and making them feel silly or small. And it's a way of kind of getting your dig in where the person can't respond by that little joke in public that undermines them. And I said, it's kind of the protection of the public place. And actually, we see that happen a lot in pastoral settings where a husband or wife will tease the other 
And it really is a way of kind of getting the other to try to change or making them feel embarrassed about whatever is upset about. It's used as it, it comes across to others as a tease, but it goes straight to the heart of a spouse as um, a dig or right. an embarrassment. And, and Chris, you were saying, so in, in that message yesterday, we were just reminding ourselves from the scripture, what did Christ do as the head of the church? So uh, he saved her. And what did he save her for? To present her as splendid and glorious to himself, to honor her, to cleanse her with the washing of the word. And everything is Christ for the church showing the operation of the grace of God, the love of God, the pardon of God, the treasure of God for his bride, the church. And what the husband is being called to, if you say you're the spiritual head in the home, it's not leadership that says, well, I'm going to use my authority to please me, but rather what is love? It does not insist on its own way, says the Apostle Paul. And so it's using authority for the sake of another person to seek to build them up, to seek that they would know the, the grace and the glory of God in their lives. And that is so contrary, as it were, to what biblical headship is sometimes taught to be in the church and certainly thought to be in the world that headship is just, you know, a, another label for male patriarchy and male authoritarianism. And anybody who claims headship is just kind of saying, me Tarzan, you doormat. And, and that explanation is really an abuse of the biblical record. When God is saying to men, yes, there is a spiritual dynamic that men are called to exert spiritual leadership in the home. But what do you do? You take the lead in living for Christ and building another up in Christ. And um, that is a responsibility, yes, but it's one for the sake of another, not for the sake of self. And um, so anyway, we explored that in the message. So Kathy, I, you know, I've been curious to ask you, um, obviously I know Brian's not perfect, but I know that as you're seeking to live out- Where are you going out, with this question, Chris? <laughs> just wait. No. Well, okay. So <laughs> that's a fair question from you, Brian. Oh, wait a my, my question, My question is, it could be easy to assume that if you have the, you know, the leader of the household, the leader of the family- living within that role that, yeah, you could feel potentially like you don't have a say in matters or um, your your thoughts and ideas don't count. But how has that looked in your marriage? Is is that the sort of feelings or, or has it provided any sort of comfort or freedom for you or what has been your experience? I feel from Brian such respect of my intelligence, my skill, and my ability to, to work with whatever problems come up. I mean, I just feel so, such respect from him that I am enabled by that. I'm encouraged and empowered. Um, I think if we all... Not are, always. Not always. Not a lot. <laughs> I, I think if we all are, are honest and, and transparent with ourselves, if not with others, we at least I know there are times when I think what if he finds out how pathetic I really am, <laughs> but I don't ever get that from him. I always get from him. Even when I fail, 
I always get respect from him. And, um, and so that does enable me and free me to, to use my gifts to express my opinion with respect back at him, even when we differ. So I don't feel constrained. I do feel empowered by his respect and, um, and yeah. love. I, I just think in, in a culture in which this is foreign, you know, the idea of, of submission, you know, to begin with, or servant leadership, like that's a very, it's a very foreign sort of concept. So I think to be able to, to speak to what that looks like in reality and not just some, some broad concept, but what, you know, what are some personal experiences that you've had? I think it's important for people to be able to hear and see that and to also know that, yeah, none of us do this perfectly, you know, because we're fallen individuals and sinful, but, but to have an idea of it, it's not, it's not restricting you from being who you are. We, I mean, we've only, you know, where we are, Chris, in this sermon series, you know, we've only done half the equation so far, right? So we start talking about men in this last week. In, in which saying, what, what would it mean to be the head of a home as Christ is the head of the church? It's unquestionably an expression of authority. Christ is the head of the church, and the church is meant to honor him. So th- you just can't get around it. There, there is some expression of authority. But then Paul says, as Christ is the head of the church, who gave himself for her. Now, wait a second, there's authority. And right, right at the same moment, there is this servanthood toward another. He gave himself, he sacrificed for her. And so you have this tension of servant leadership. Paul does not, and we'll talk more in this coming week, Paul does not dispose of the notion of authority in the head of a home. But he says it is an authority that is never self-serving. It is spiritual leadership takes the lead in Christ-likeness in building up another and that is what Christ himself did. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing for what? For the sake of another. Now, he, he's still the head of the church, and he is still using his authority to guide. But at the same time, that, that guidance is the building up of his bride, and that guidance is for the treasure of that bride to feel not only treasured by the, by the husband, by Christ, but to feel the treasure that she is, as you and I are supposed to feel. You know, we are supposed to feel that we are God's precious treasure. And any headship that is not taking the lead in such a way that the other person in the marriage feels treasured is not biblical headship. And now, it's not throwing away authority either. Say, well, you just decide. Oh, I don't know. You know, you, 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 know, you handle the kids. You, you handle the money. You, you take all. It's, it's not passivity. It's not failing to take responsible, uh, responsibility. It is just what it says. It's spiritually, I will take the lead in terms of spiritual responsibility for this home. And I, I find so many people want to find some shortcut to what that means. So who holds the remote? You know, <laughs> well, not really the point. You know, who drives? Not the point. Um, it, it is ultimately saying not even who has the last word in an argument or a discussion. Not the point. It is saying 
at the end of the day, is the family being led in a Christ-like direction or not? And that is honoring people, listening to people, building them up with all the authority that God grants for the sake of another person, because that's what Christ did. We were, um, during the winter, at a conference in a country that was formerly in the USSR, where uh, young people in their 20s had been raised in a culture not much like ours. And when we told the, the story, the wash machine repair that we told in church on Sunday about how I was at first fearful, reluctant, felt unable to even make a call to a repair, repairman. And then how, how I worked together, we worked through it and I grew because of it. And during the question and answer period, one of the young wives raised her hand and said, um, aren't you afraid that now that he knows you can do that, he will take advantage of that and make you do everything? That was hard for me to hear in sympathy for her and their relationship. But I, I said in all honesty, I cannot imagine that he would do that because that is not who he is. That is not how he is the head of the home. I was able to do it because of um, his encouragement for my growth. And I have been able to do other things. And if, and if Brian felt that it was harmful to me or, or not good for us, to ask me to do something, he wouldn't because that's not who he is as the head of our marriage. He treats me with such, with such respect and honor that I am empowered. But he doesn't do that to take advantage of me. He does that because it's good for me and it's good for us. It's good for our household. So in that way, he is the leader. He will ask me to do things that I've not done before. But yeah, not well, because he's taking advantage, because yeah. that's, he is leading our household. Yeah. I mean, when, when the Apostle Paul says that strange thing, I mean, it really sounds strange. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I go, that sounds kind of selfish and backward. But it, it's built on that notion of that in Christ to become one, that, that we're one in the Lord. So if, if I'm damaging her, if I'm diminishing her, who am I ultimately damaging? Yes. Myself. Yeah. You know, I, I, the silly example of, you know, you think you can take the air out of one side of a basketball and it'll be better. And well, no, it, it won't function. So to diminish your spouse is to damage yourself. Whereas, I mean, the blessing of our lives, uh, because Kathy is so capable and, and you can just turn anything over to her is my and our ministry has flourished so much more because she's, she is so capable. And I think if all our lives had been like our first year or two, well, I felt like I'm more because she's less. Well, I really would have been less and less and less. Uh, in terms of ministry and capability and service. And I recognize that in being what God calls us to be, 
living for the sake of another, that ultimately there's blessing to yourself if you're really one in the Lord. When we're talking about what the biblical model is and talking about headship, that's all great. What are some ways, though, that you've seen how this can get distorted? Because that's part of the reason for, for wanting to write what you did was to try to address some of the things that, that we've seen. So I know you, you used some various examples, some different stories um, yesterday as part of the message. Um, so yeah, could you share maybe some examples of, of how maybe this has not been modeled correctly? Yeah, we know the awful things. And uh, yeah, Chris, you know, this is, this is the real world. I mean, you're in our church and there are real people in our church. And so when uh, somebody says, my husband wants to be the head of a home and wants to be the spiritual head of a home. And the way that is expressed is I can't leave the home unless he gives permission. I have to dress the way he wants. Um, I, do not speak unless he gives permission. You, you ultimately understand this is not headship. This is oppression. This is not building somebody up. This is putting them in a cage for, for one's ego, you know, that I, you know, I can control you. And sadly, there may be somebody who thinks that's the right thing. Well, I'm supposed to be submissive. He's supposed to be the head. And so, in our, in our lives together, we sometimes find, how do I say this, a husband and wife in complicit, complicit in, in her oppression because she's agreeing this is right. And we have to say, no, you are to submit in the Lord that is in union with Christ. And this is not what Christ requires and not what he desires. And to resist, this sounds terrible, to respectfully resist something that makes me feel less than a person before the God who has redeemed me is not biblical submission and what requires it is not biblical headship. So, you know, there, there are people who will see it all the time. I'm the head of a home. So this is the end of the argument. I'm the head of a home. That's done. You know, I, I've made the decision. I say, I, I might actually agree that the Bible gives you that right ultimately. But how did you get there? Was that, a, was that the path of the cross that you just followed to come to that decision? Um, living for another person. And what we often find in the church is, is the two extremes. A man who is totally authoritarian because he's the head of the home, or people who say, because I'm the head of the home, I don't have to do anything because I'm the head of the home. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, king husband here, and I just do whatever I choose or choose not to do. And so we've had to say, neither is the biblical model. Spiritual headship is about servant leadership. And, um, and, and that's not a template. It's not a cookie cutter. It's people living before the Lord in love for one another, honoring one another, but also building up in Christ. I am just recalling the conference we attended one time in Florida, uh, where the, the conference speaker for the afternoon entered the room. I don't know where you're going. What happened? Well, <laughs> confident, walking, you know, with a. I saw it later, it replayed in my mind, and I saw him walking with a swagger. That may or may not be true, but, and his wife came in many steps behind, down 
downcast eyes, walking behind him, doubtily dressed, not responsive to people around. Uh, we listened to the first section of that talk, and then we played hooky the rest. I couldn't, I just could not listen to whatever he was talking about. See, I don't even remember, because I saw in his wife a bad relationship between the two of them. And maybe that was putting on my own, putting on a story that was not true. But that yeah. was... It was true. <laughs> well, was that, true. Was, that was what came across, was he was confident, he was the man, and she was less, and she felt it. And I just could not... And so his witness, it was a... Anyway, his witness to me was ruined by what I read about the relationship. We, we have to say, I mean, it's what servant leadership is at the same time you're saying is, is a husband responsible for leading his family spiritually. Yes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the husband is responsible to uh, sanctify his wife by the washing of the word, by, by the washing of the word. So what does that mean? It's the reference to baptism, the dying to self, and at the same time, the living of the word before other people. So whether it's leading your family in worship, in the way that you conduct yourself, it's, it's showing what it means to have a life guided by the word, but it's dying to self at the same time. And so it's that willingness to take responsibility for spiritual leadership, but it's not doing it so that I can take advantage of other people or my position. Because the reality is, I mean, not always, but most men are physically more powerful than their wives. They, they can be more dominant in personality and volume. So if they want, they can just physically control. And what the Apostle Paul is doing is saying, that's not your job. Your job is spiritual leadership, and that starts as you take control of you and live before the Lord in a way that you're guiding your family in the path of Christ. So it's not saying my wife is the Christian, you know, she leads spiritually. No, it's not that. It's husband's spiritual leadership, the decisions about what brings that family to honor Christ, and I take the responsibility for that. But, but I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for the sake of family and child and where we're going. One of the things that my wife and I often say is that our first ministry is our marriage because people, we may not have the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to provide a, a personal witness to someone or, or have a, a conversation with them about theology or about their faith. But as they see us interact with each other, what sort of picture is that painting? You know, they, they may know that we are Christians, um, but how does that play out in our marriage? And, and I think the same can be said in, in what our kids see too, is are, are we modeling that? And so that's something that we're very conscious of in, in, in how we how we live our lives is that we want to make sure that we're honoring each other um, so that people can see the love that, that God has for his children in the same way that we show love for each other. Good. You should preach the sermon next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's probably not going to happen. But <laughs> Last week was husbands and we say, what is that? It's spiritual headship. It is the use of authority for the sake of another. The hard one comes next week, too, when we talk to wives about what's biblical submission. 
and will say it's actually not the use of authority for the sake of another. It is use of gifts for the sake of another. And how does the Bible actually say that? So that we're not saying it's not the suppression of gifts. It's the use of gifts for the sake of another. And that may be a different definition than many people have heard when they caricature scripture or even caricature what their own lives are supposed to be and say, actually, what does the Bible say? And we'll focus there. I am just so thankful for Brian and Kathy and their their willingness to be open and candid and vulnerable in this episode. And there's more to come, as was mentioned there at the end. Uh, this is only the first uh, of this series, so next week we'll be talking about wives. And so I encourage you to check that out. Uh, hit the subscribe button so that way you can be notified when the next episode comes out. And um, also, I encourage you to check out previous episodes if you've been encouraged by this. Uh, if you want to hear more from Brian, you can check out the the previous episodes that we've recorded if you have any comments or questions for the podcast or for Brian or for Kathy, you can email those to revealinggrace at brianchapel.com. Since we will be uh, with Brian and Kathy over the next few episodes, if you want to get those questions in, then maybe we can address them in the next episode. Uh, so that's revealinggrace at brianchapel.com. If you're interested in watching us record this podcast, as I mentioned at the beginning, we did a Zoom call, and so we were able to film that, and that video is available at brianchapel.com, so I encourage you to head over there. While you're at brianchapel.com, check out the sermon archive. There's a searchable archive of all of Brian's sermons, um, and you can sort them in any number of ways, including searching uh, by passage of scripture. So check that out. Um, There are sermon illustrations, a variety of videos, just a lot of resources that can be helpful for you in your ministry. If you're also seeking to receive additional training uh, to hone your skills, check out the online courses that are available there as well. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode and for listening to Brian and Kathy as they share from their heart and from their experiences. I encourage you to check out the next two episodes in this series as we continue our discussion of Christ-centered, gospel-oriented marriages, the roles of husbands, wives, and as a couple, how they parent. So join us again next time for Revealing Grace.